Hey there, Kristalyn Hanchi. This is AWOL Zebra, and I thank you for being here. I have a fantastic guest coming up. I'm excited. It's the holidays. It's that time of year. Everybody gets so excited about the hubbub and everything that's coming along, but you have to factor in this little thing called ATDS, this little illness that kind of pops in the way. And sometimes you're very lonely and you have no direction and you don't know where to go. So why not find out how to not get where you're going or how to try to navigate this with two individuals that are trying awfully hard. Anya Khan, welcome to AWOL Zebra. How are you today? I'm great. How are you? Outstanding. It is so good to have you back on AWOL Zebra. We had a lot of uh, a great response to the last time you were on. And uh, how did oh. your, your was it was it a show that you did? I saw you, you had a beautiful, some artwork. Oh, artwork and shows. Yes. I, I have, I think like five different ones going on right now. <laughs> so, oh my God. Yes. So my art's all over the place. My art's at Modern Eden in uh, um, San Francisco. My art's at uh, Stranger Factory um, in New Mexico. My art was being shown locally in Boise at the Commonwealth. Um, I have art at Distinction Gallery, just kind of all over the place over the last couple months. It's something I really enjoy doing. It's lots of fun. And I'm very, very thankful for the relationships I have with the galleries that I have. I, I, it's, it's beautiful work. It's outstanding. And is just we'll get off topic here for a second. But is, is that something that helps you get through living with this illness? Oh, yeah. I, I never did art to be in galleries or do anything like that art was never it was never um a success metric for me I, you know i have a, a a whole different career i'm a web and graphic designer i own an agency a web and graphic design seo digital marketing agency i've been doing that for 25 years so art was really not a career for me it was a therapeutic uh focus and then I had somebody suggest to me that maybe I should show in galleries. His name was Roger Popwell and uh, just like a friend. And he's like, well, maybe you should show in galleries. I'm like, oh, maybe I should. And this was, you know, 20 years ago. And once I started getting into galleries, I was like, oh, I really like this. And I like talking about, you know, my story and my art because my art back then was it was very dark and it dealt with a lot of medical topics and and child abuse and, and a lot of uh you know interesting things not like today it doesn't have undertones of that but yes art was never career focused it was very much therapy and i'm also kind of returning back to that again in the last couple of months there's been this like shift again like i'm like okay i feel like i need to really be there for a different reason. Not that I'm not going to continue to show or do art, you know, as a professional artist, which I'm very, very honored to be able to do, but there's just so much soul in it. It was never, it was never for success ever. It's it, I'm just lucky. I'm, I'm very, I mean, hard work. I'm not just lucky. <laughs> there's been, a, there's been a lot of hard work. I do submit and work hard and, you know, people just don't come and find me, you know, like in my basement painting or something. It's like, oh. So, yeah. Well, that that's it. And, and the thing is, is we should, you know, definitely stress the point that it's not something that has come easily. It, you know, it, it's it, you are, are, are doing this now. You are thriving. But there has been the point that you've been bedridden, feeding to yeah. conversations. I mean, this has been a long road for you as as it has been for many of us. Mm hmm. Agreed. And the fact that you, it, it gives me hope because I'm thinking, okay, you know, for the podcast, it's, it's, it's something I do. It's therapeutic. Like it's not as pretty as your art. <laughs> it's, it's not, it's just, but it's, it's therapeutic. And so the fact that you do that, I thought you would be the perfect person to, to kind of help us get through this time of year we are it's the holidays you know we've just had thanksgiving christmas is coming up of course you know people have got all the parties and and this that and the other but when you have this illness and you're battling this illness it's kind of hard to imagine yourself doing anything creative or or anything worthwhile or anything with people 
Yeah, it can feel very overwhelming. I think the holidays for anybody who battles physical, mental, physical or mental illness, um, heavy losses, I, I think anything that that affects your life or that has taken something from you, whether or not it's from yourself or you know you've lost people, it's it's a hard time of year because you see all the hustle, like you said in the beginning, all the hustle and the bustle and the exciting and the Christmas lights and the you know and all of that. And, and granted, is that beautiful? And is that, are we thankful that as a culture, we can enjoy celebrating holidays? Yes, but there's also a darker side to that. And I think that it's not just people with EDS or, or, or MCAS or POTS or dysautonomia. I think it's, it's generally a, a world problem where there's so much emphasis on the hub, the hub and bub and joy. And I don't even think hub and bub is a word, but anyway, the joy of, you know, what this is, but there's so much grief that people are working through. There's so many things that people can't do. And how do you deal with that? Like, how do you, how do you, how can you deal with that? How can you be okay with that? It's okay if you can't do something, but it also creates an even bigger, you know, stress. Like for example, there's a holiday party. Maybe it's friends, maybe it's family. You don't have a toxic family, which we'll talk about that later, but let's yeah. just say you don't have a toxic family or toxic friends and you really, really, really want to go. But the day, as you know, every day is a, its own thing. Every hour sometimes is its own thing. You know, like I'm good in the morning and then by three o'clock I'm not good. Or, you know, I wake up and I feel terrible and maybe by 10 o'clock I feel fine. Like you never know. But let's say you have this party and you really want to go, but all of a sudden you, you can't. You can't because you just don't feel good enough. You're not you're not in a good space physically and you can't go. Like you're like, well, it would be detrimental for me to go. Do you push yourself? Probably not. It's not healthy to do so. And then if you don't go, all that grief, it's grief of not being a part of it. It's the fear of missing out. It's seeing all the pictures of other people on, on Facebook of the thing that you missed. And then you spend a lot of time in loss because as, as people with, with chronic illness, we're already in a lot of loss every single day. I mean, that's what I feel. I mean, maybe other people don't, but I feel like there's just loss every single day. It's just loss. It's just, it's, it's just how I live my life from morning until night. I don't have what I had before, but I have gained some really great stuff. So, you know, there's positive outlooks, but if you're already dealing with loss so often, and then this is such a heavy loss. And of course it's, it's timely, right? It's like, Oh, this is this time of year. It only happens once a year if it's Christmas or it's Thanksgiving or whatever it is. And then you miss out and then you get to see the pictures. You get to see everybody happy. And then you feel shame. You feel guilt you know, you feel all these things like maybe I let people down. I promised them I'd go, you know, maybe I was supposed to bring a gift. I'm a loser. You know, I suck. <laughs> you know, like it's, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Well, but that's okay. And that's what we talked about earlier. It's okay to have to make concessions, but how do you deal with that? Right? Like how, how can you self-care and be okay with not showing up to something you want to show up. And then we can talk about how to deal with not showing up to things you don't want to show up to. <laughs> you know, I'm good at getting out stuff. <laughs> right. Right. So how would you handle that, Christy? Like, you're like, I can't go. Like, what are the, what are, what's some really good things for you that you'd be like, I can't do this. And how do you self-soothe and make it okay? You know, actually, I, I, I don't know where I stand at that point. It is, it's, I'm at the, where I am now with this illness, I handle the illness by doing the podcast, by having that to put out every day. That, that to me is like, okay, that's how I'm getting through every day today because I'm mm -hmm. convincing myself this, that, and the other. I haven't had the benefit of really being physical physically able enough to be going to gatherings. So now okay. I'm re-entering that part of my life and mm. not, I'm not doing it very well because I don't think I know how to act in public anymore. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I've been bedridden for so long 
and and you know when your only interactions are you know facebook and with doctors you don't really have the interactions anymore and now i don't know i feel like i know how to act in public so i really <laughs> haven't come up with any good alternatives i'm i'm at the point i guess really really nobody invites me to anything i don't really have any friends so i guess that <laughs> i just have nobody inviting me anywhere so i don't really have that problem that's probably more on your end i don't get invited anywhere but no i i i i generally I have not been confronted with this because it has been a, I guess, a fright or flight kind of mm -hmm. thing for me for so long that I honestly don't know how to react about trying to get up and go somewhere, if that makes any sense to you. I've been bedridden and out of touch with individuals and parties for so long that I'm actually afraid. To be honest with you, I get that. Yeah, I understand. Yeah. I'm more where you are, actually. Honestly, really, I'm more where where you are. I mean, I've, I think it's I've been sick for so long that people don't really invite me anywhere yeah. <laughs> anymore. <laughs> you know, they just they don't, which kind of sucks. But you know, but there are still things that you know I get invited to, and they're not typically holiday related. But I think if you know, if somebody is dealing with that, one of the best ways to handle that is just kind of be okay with it, be okay with just not being able to go and self-soothe, do something fun for you, realize that this is your life, not theirs, and you don't need to explain that to anybody. You just, no. you do what you, you do you, you're the end. Right. That's a great way. But when you're talking about reintegration, I do think that's an important conversation because I think there's a lot of us that that disappear and reintegrate over and over again based on where we are, right? Like sometimes it's a couple years where we're not really doing much and maybe we're doing a little bit better. And like you're saying, you're you're kind of like, okay, how do I act normal? And I just moved to another state and um, I'm a lot healthier here based on, you know, where I lived before, there was a lot of allergies. It was like the worst place to live with mast cell. It's just terrible. It was moldy and, and had so many allergies. I lived in a valley, it was terrible. Um, but now I'm here and it's a lot, I, the allergies are like nothing. And I'm so much more free to like do things and I'm a lot less sick, but I feel the same way. Like, I don't know how to act. I like don't know, like going to, you know, an art exhibition on Saturday was the first time I've gone to an art exhibition. My art was in there, but still my first time going to a show in like four years, three years. And I didn't even know how to people, Yeah, you know, I'm trying to say goodbye to the, to one of the hosts. And I'm like, I'm like, should I interrupt her? Should I not interrupt her? Do I hug her? Do I not hug her? Like, what do I do? Like, I don't even know how to people. It's it's weird. Exactly right. Because I'm like, okay, like, God forbid somebody reaches their hand out to me. I'm like, hello. You know, I haven't been out since the pandemic, you know, because, you know, right before the pandemic hit, I think I had broken my hip, I think in 2019. And then just as 2020 starts coming around, then the pandemic and then my illness kicks in and then I've been down. So, you know, coming out post pandemic and all of that, it's, it's crazy. And, but you did ask when it comes to my husband and my son, if it was like, like my son has a Taekwondo event coming up on Saturday. So that's a no brainer. It's for my child. I, I plan on going. That's, that's a no brainer. But when it comes to myself, I don't put as much of importance on going out on an outing for myself as I would as if I was going out for something for my husband or my son. But I think I have learned, at least I'm trying to, to look at, okay, I can't go to your party. Thank you for inviting me. And then I look at where I was this time last year. And I'm like, wow, mm -hmm. that's, that's honestly, I think, because you asked me like, what, how would I handle it? The mm -hmm. I'm handling it for me right now, I think is to do kind of retrospect, go back and think, okay, this time last year, I was literally in the bed. There was mm -hmm. no thought of me being able to go anywhere. So yes, I might not be able to get up and go to this party this weekend, but at least it was a thought this year. And I know that doesn't really mm -hmm 
answer the question or maybe make anybody feel better. But it's that stupid little, you know, affirmation that you have to give to yourself so you don't go down the rabbit hole of despair. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to kind of look at, okay, well, think about it. This time last year, I was bedridden. So at least I can consider maybe going at least for 15 or 20 minutes, something I couldn't have done last year. So I guess that's how I, I feel like maybe I can look at getting, you know, back out into the world is maybe baby steps and then not being hard on myself. And maybe I need to, you know, look, give myself a, an attaboy kind of thing and say, yeah, or girl, you know, be like, look at what it was and look, you know, baby steps, look at what I might be able to do next year. And I know that's not, you know, the perfect thing, but if we, if we don't give ourselves some, you know, positivity, it'll all be, you know, all the hard work you've done will just be for naught. Right. And what, what happens when somebody's in the opposite of where we are, you know, like, Maybe the year before they were doing fairly well, but now this year they're really not doing well. You know, like how, how can somebody handle, I know we can't talk about that from personal experience as in the right now, but I'm sure because we've been in bad spaces, we know what it's like to be better and then get worse. Right. And then have to deal with those losses of like, oh, I could have done that last year or I could have done this or that and now that i now i can't oh yeah mourning yeah there's a lot of mourning in that i think that's there's a lot of yeah Mm -hmm. that is and and i honestly think the only thing you could do there there is no answer there is no one size fits all fix for this It, it really has to be it has to really be a mind over matter thing i think you really have to set the precedence that this is this is what i you get invited to a party. I guess you're looking at the invitation. And so are you going to look at it as the first thought? Oh my gosh, I've got to go somewhere and be social for three hours. Oh my gosh. Or is it, Oh, I can't wait to go. What am I going to wear? Like, what is your first thought when you are given that invitation? It, mm-hmm. it would be on how I decided on how I would approach it, you know, so I could maybe, sum up everything that I wanted to do and then see what all I could feasibly do kind of thing. It's, it's like uh, last year, there would have been no way possible that I could go do like the celebration of lights, which is, I don't know if you have that where you are, where you get Mm -hmm. a call and you ride around and like go through a park and you look at all the lights they've put up in a certain part of town kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking, okay, I couldn't have done that last year, but maybe I can do that this year. Uh, you know, in lieu of going to a party. I'm, I'm just trying to think of, you know, a, a positive spin somebody because it, it, it pains me because I get so many messages from individuals that are living alone and mm-hmm. they're thinking, I just, I want a hug. And it just puts me in, a, right. I just, I'm sitting there going, oh my gosh, I don't know what to do because that scares me. It's also a time that, that when I'm sitting here thinking about all the things that I'm not able to do. I think about the things, you know, I'm like, well, I have my husband and my son. Then I think about that individual that doesn't have anyone. Yeah. You know, it does. It just kind of brings, brings everything kind of down. This is no good conversation to have Anya. There's no fix. And (laughs) this is like, there's just, there, there, there is no fix. Sometimes it just sucks. Sometimes you're not going to be able to go to the party. You know, it's, it's just, it's just the way it is. And God forbid, if you have the, the toxic family situation, like we've spoken about before, mm-hmm. that even make things worse. And not only are you dealing with family and friends, sure. dealing with doctors gaslighting you, you're dealing with you yourself. And I'm not saying you, I'm just talking about individual you know, we gaslight ourselves. We're dealing with all of this negativity every day. This is bringing, what, what can we do? We've got to, what, yeah. What do you do when you just get to a point that you're like, okay, this, this truly sucks. I, I, there's no positivity. There's just nothing I can do because I've been there. I've, I've, I've been that far. I've just been that far down. What do you do? 
do do you I mean, this little podcast isn't going to do much for anybody. I just want to just let people know that they're not alone. And it means something to me to be able to get up and share with an individual so they know that they aren't alone. The fact that you are getting up and now doing exhibitions and things like that, that kind of gives, that gives me inspiration. So I'm hoping that for somebody hearing this, you know, they'll know that, hey, they don't have the answers, but they've been there or they are there maybe Mm -hmm. the person can think hey maybe i can get out of that i mean do you think that's a way we could look at it i definitely do i i think one of the things that it's it's very similar to what you're saying and i think one of the things that i heard years ago that really helped me as a person who has illnesses is i always felt like i had to be better right like be better you know, like, don't get down, don't, you know, don't feel bad. It's, it's bad to feel bad, right? Like, don't, you know, we're in, in our society, toxic positivity is rampant. Now, don't get me wrong. Do I believe mind over matter can work? Yes. Do I believe that you can think positively and improve your life by action? Of course I do. You know, but I don't think like everything is sunshiny, you know, in rainbows all the time. And I think that as as a culture, we're looked at like everything's fine, everything's great. And I do think that social media has made it even more apparent because everything is curated and everything looks perfect. Families look perfect, their relationships look perfect, and everything looks great. Before social media, there was still that desire to be the perfect family, the perfect person. Don't be sick. Don't show your weakness. Don't do this. Don't do that. You know, you all of that. And somebody said to me, they were like, you know, one of the ways that makes me really healthy is, is experiencing a wide range of emotions and being okay with that. We were given a wide range of emotions for a reason. We were given anger and, and depression and sadness Um, And on the opposite of that, we were given, you know, happiness and excitement and all of that. And if you only are going to stay on one side of it and you you try to force yourself over there all day long and you never experience the other things, you're not a human being at that point. You are robotic and you're trying to fit into something that's not actually true. As human beings, we feel wide ranges of emotions instead of feeling when I'm absolutely depressed, which actually I was a couple of days ago, I had something go on and it just like really hurt me. And I felt very upset about it. Instead of going like, it's okay. Like, don't worry about that. It'll be fine. Like, you know, I was like, I'm pissed and I'm upset and I'm okay with that. And you know what? That's, that's my emotion to have. And I don't have to justify it for anybody. And when you continually sit on negative emotions and, and try your best not to feel them, it's only going to creep up on you and continue to come in. But if you learn to move through things and accept them and go down to the pit when you feel it, go down there, be upset, cry, be pissed off, write in your journal, make art, you know, go for a walk, you know, write that letter, that, that angry letter, like be with that. You can't live there forever. You know what I mean? It's the same with panic attacks. I know this is like totally swinging to another topic, but it was, it was utilized the same with panic attacks. So I've had panic attacks my whole life and I'm not talking, I know people use the word panic attack and anxiety attack, like so loosely these days. Like, you know, I felt panicky. It's like, no, no panic attacks literally will take you to a hospital. Not all, but they're, they're very destabilizing and you think you're going to die. So, you know, you can get anxious and be nervous and all of that, but panic attacks, having a literal panic attack can be very intense. And if you feel it coming on, a natural response is sit on it. Don't say anything. It's going to be okay. Just try to hold it in. But what I've learned is when I feel that, if I verbalize and go like, I feel like I'm going to have a panic attack right now. It takes the power out of it. Not that I don't still sometimes have panic attacks. This is not the the cure-all for it at all. It's not, there's nothing that cures anything. And what works for me may not work for you. But I've learned that when we take the power out of something, that's when we start to be able to deal with it. So if you're looking at, you know, depression and anxiety and, and feeling sad and upset, and you're thinking of those as really negative, awful things, they have so much power over you. 
But if you take them in and you bring them into you and you integrate them into yourself and go like, it's okay to have an anxiety attack. And I'm, I'm with that. My body needs to do that. And it, it, that's how it's protecting itself. But you know, I'm really upset right now. And you know what? That's my body's way of processing something so I can get to a better place. And when I learn to not reject those parts of me, the, the extreme parts of me, the things that scared me was when they were better. They're not, it's not like I've mastered it and everything's fine. It's just, they have less power over me. And I think when people are dealing with this kind of stuff, whether or not it's the holidays or whatever the case may be, you're dealing with a heavy, dark emotion, even if it lasts for a couple days, you know, there's no time limit. That's the other thing too. Like somebody's like, well, I'll, I'll handle being depressed, but as long as it's for an hour, you know, like that's it. Oh. There's no time limit. Maybe you feel like, maybe you feel awful for a couple of days, or maybe you have a terrible week. That's okay. It's It's okay. It's, there's a wide range of emotions as human being no, and it's okay to feel it, them all. And it's part of processing. And that's, and that's why I like, that's why I told you, I said, we're just going to talk and see where it goes. And I've been in radio for so long. And the deal was you want to leave people with a water cooler moment. And um, does that make sense to you when I say that? Is that, a, yeah, okay. it does. Because that because some people look at me like that, but I was like, I think that's a common thing that people use. But we always wanted to have that water cooler moment conversation with somebody, and nobody wants to hear you gripe. So you're always thrilled. You could have a bust down, drag out fight with your significant other, but as soon as you turn that microphone on, happy day. We're here to be here for you because yeah, hear the negativity. There are a lot mm -hmm. of cast out there where people are sitting there and telling you, well, and, and I've done it. You know, this is the sure. way to make the holidays better. We're going to use disposable pans so you don't wash them and, and this and other. Oh, yeah, we can give you tidbits. But what I like about this is there are no rules and we can say whatever the crap we want to. And sometimes life sucks. Just bottom line sucks. That's okay. right. I, you know, when we're done with this interview, the next thing I'm probably going to do is medicate get on more heat and lie down so I'm no longer sitting up straight because my body just bothers me so I can plan my next form of attack <laughs> for the next day. Because if I sat there and just allowed myself to waller in negativity, I would, mm -hmm. never, I would never get anywhere. And so you're right. You need to allow your body those emotions. You, you can't be overwhelmed and you, I mean, there's, you know, you can, you, you are, you're going to be overwhelmed, but you can't allow yourself to, to, to drown in the overwhelmed feelings that you have. I mean, because you have to try to find some form of positivity because if not, I don't think you'll ever get out. This illness is, it's not in our head, but it, the way we think about it, I think is how it, it, it's how it manifests itself. I think when it comes out of our body, if we're constantly in negativity, I feel mm -hmm. like that we can't, is that making sense? Like we can't yeah. get Cause if you're just constantly allowing yourself to think of just nothing but negativity, you're never going to sit there and think, Oh yeah, I wasn't walking a month ago or I, you know, I couldn't eat on my own little things like that. If you're just constantly thinking of all the things that you haven't done rather than maybe thinking about the few positive things or allowing yourself to be pissed off or allowing yourself to cry. It's, it's very true. And, and it's okay. Like you said, to, to go down in the mud and be there, but you also have to remember that that can also become a habit, right? Like if you are somebody who's sick all the time, and you're dealing with a lot of negative things in your body, things that are challenging, it can be really easy to um, live in a negative space and, 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 and not be able to get yourself back up. Right. And I've, I've been there before. I mean, I've been there many times. I'm not gonna say I've been there once. No, I've been there. <laughs> I've been there many times. And a good, a good example of this was when I had to remove everything from my life, like I couldn't wear my jewelry anymore. I had to take out all my piercings. I couldn't dye my hair anymore. Um, you know, I couldn't do, couldn't wear makeup anymore. I had to get rid of everything. My whole identity was gone. 
Like I used to wear rings on every fingers. I used to wear necklaces all the time. I had piercings. I had ear earrings all up my ears. You know, I I had my hair dyed since I could remember. I never liked my blondish hair. So I've always had like, you know, red or, or dark brown hair because I've always liked it better. You know, a lot of, and I know that this is probably fickle and on kind of the outside of like, oh, well, this is aesthetic. But for me, it was my identity. I couldn't dye my hair anymore. I couldn't wear any makeup anymore. I have scarring, you know, on my face from, you know, tons of blistering from mast cells. So not wearing makeup made me feel even worse than somebody who maybe doesn't have that. Um, Generally speaking, not being able to wear the jewelry, a lot of it was, you know, some of it was my grandma's, some of it was from other people. There was a lot of, you know, important parts of my life that I, I used to wear with me as, you know, not only costume, but historical um, historical reference to my upbringing or things that meant a lot to me or times in my life. And I remember being at such a bad space. And finally, I was like, listen, this is it. If I continue to think, <clears throat> excuse me, if I continue to think about everything I cannot do, I was down to eat. That was when I was on the feeding tube formula. So I couldn't eat food anymore. It wasn't all just a matter of aesthetics. It was, I couldn't, my hair was really long. I couldn't wash it anymore. It was just so many things at one time. And I pretty much, once I got on the feeding tube formula, things started to improve a bit. I was just like, you know what? I cannot think about what I cannot do anymore. Like that is what's harming me. What can I do? So I went into my jewelry box and I took all of my metal, you know, jewelry and I dumped it in a box and I put it away. Cause I'm like, why am I going to look at something that I can't do all day long? That's like sitting there looking at ice cream. I can't eat every day. Like, what's the point? It doesn't help me. And then I went on Etsy and I found some really great jewelry that was made out of, you know, beading and, and rings that were made out of um, stone, like carved stone. I know it wasn't the same. I decided my hair was down almost to my waist. I cut it all off. I cut it really, really, really short, like, like almost pixie cut short, like very long, like a little bit long in the front, but all the back was short. I, I basically just got rid of everything that I couldn't do. I'm like, why am I going to look at my long hair if I can't wash it? Why am I going to have long hair if I can't dye it? Like, what would be the point? Like, for me, I mean, I know you can have long hair without dyeing it, but yeah, to me, I, it was very boring, I'm, right? So I wanted I, a, yeah. yeah, I wanted a hipper haircut. No, I, I can't dye it. I want something to be a little bit, you know, I want to have some personality. And once I did that, it was a very big change for me. Because it was like, well, what can I do? Well, I cannot do, stop saying, what can't you do? You know, it's okay to be like, I can't do this. And then you go through that acceptance phase because there's that moment too, where you have to go through the loss and the acceptance and the grief and all that. But when you move through that grief, you got to get to the other side of that and go like, well, what can I do? What can I do? What are, What is my control? What's going to make me feel better? Great. I still have, this was, this is back in 2012. So this was almost, you know, 11 years ago when this happened. And I still have one of those. I still have like three, but one of those necklaces, I still have it. And it's still one of my most prized possessions because I took my power back with it. You know what I mean? It was a beautiful necklace. It was different than what I was used to, but it provided me the comfort of doing something differently. So it's just, it's figuring out what you, what you can do more than anything. Like, what can you do? There's something you can do. I can't do this. There's something you can do. I can't go to my families. Well, you could sit at home and you could read a really good book, or you could maybe watch a Christmas movie, or there's something you can do. We live in so much I can'ts and it's, it's okay to do that. We have to as human beings, we have to be judgmental, right? Like we have to make decisions. Like I can't do that. Okay. Well, what's your alternative though? Like I can't, doesn't have to be a nothing. I can't can be a what else. No, you're exactly right. And that's, and that's, that's why I like not having a topic and just sitting here and just seeing where the conversation goes because we can present the problem and the problem is 
we have the negativity and we have the problem that we can't go out and do it, but there is no answer on how to make any one person feel about missing the family party or missing this or missing that. But I think we have hit on the main thing is, and that's the, I can't and being stuck in that headspace. And I think we've spoken about this before. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you need to, we live and breathe this illness. We have to think about this illness every single day. If I don't mm -hmm. think about my illness before I go to pick up a gallon of milk, I will, yeah. I will dislocate something. Mm -hmm. If I don't think about uh, bending down to plug something in, I might jerk myself in such a way and pop out a rib. So you already yeah. thinking about this illness every single day. Mm -hmm. eat a certain thing you're going to break out with this then you got the pot you've got this so you're already internalizing this illness mm -hmm. already and then mm -hmm. you've got social media and people are posting my and i'm not making light i'm just i'm making a point hopefully but they'll be posting something like my hand has turned red and it has little dots. Is it a sign of this? Or the left side of my face gets hot. Little, mm -hmm. just little, little things that I'm like, to me, yes, it's a, it, it, it's, it just seems like people get fixated on all of the little things trying to find out what it is as opposed to okay it looks like it might just be a little bit of a rash it's not that big let's tackle the the bigger thing oh i'm 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 there with you okay. and i am that person i mean i don't post it I'm, I'm not a big poster on groups like that about my personal things but i'm very much hyper fixated on every little damn thing and yeah. it's, it's it's detrimental yeah. it is not it's not healthy it's destabilizing. It's, it's, it's a very, it's a very dark place to be, to be like, oh my God, my skin is red. Why is that happening? Or, oh my God, there's, you know, I get that. Cause I'm definitely, I'm definitely hyper-focused and it's something I really have to work hard on doing. And I don't think it's healthy to be hyper fixated on every little thing. Like, it's okay that our, I think a lot of people in the health, when you have so many health issues, the one thing that I think we have a problem with is knowing what's normal and what's not. And, and that's, and that's a problem. Like, like people, normal people, healthy people get rashes on their arms. They do. Yeah. Normal, healthy people do. They get rashes. They, they, their finger might, you know, go a little numb or whatever the case may be, a lot of these things can be normal. And I think helping, I think people with chronic illness should really look into like, what is normal? Not everything has to be an emergency and not everything has to be related to that. You can just be having a normal human experience. And I've been working really hard on that actually for probably now like seven years where I, in the early stages, it was like, is this, I would ask people around me that I, that I was close to, like, is this normal? You know, especially older people. Like I had a mentor who was, who was in her seventies and I figured she'd experience everything. <laughs> and, and she, she also had um, some disabilities, but still, and I'm like, is this normal? And she's like, yeah, that's totally normal. Like, it's okay to like get a little vertigo sometimes. Like people have vertigo, like normal, healthy, normal people, they get vertigo. Like, I mean, if you're having it chronically and you can't walk and it's so destabilizing, but like you get up, you feel a little vertigo and then you're gone. Don't hyperfixate on it. It's hard. And I'm, I'm, I'm saying this so strongly because this is a problem that I have. It's, <laughs> it's not that I want to, you know, I want to encourage people because I understand how much this can affect your life and, and actually impede you from living because you are so fixated 
but it's also understandable why one would be fixated because you don't know what normal is. Exactly. You know, like what's normal? I don't know. Exactly. Because that's, because if, if you do get to the point, like every time I turn around, I'm thinking, okay, I'm not going to, it's just something to do with this illness. And at some point, not everything is just because this illness, sometimes it truly is the flu or that's right. chicken pox. It's something like that. Sometimes it really isn't the illness, but I feel like I, I have to get out of that headspace because as I said, I'm already living and breathing it. Every time I take a step, when we're outside, God forbid, if I accidentally trip or if I step in a hole, or anything like that. Like I'm, I'm just mm-hmm. around, you know, my, my surroundings and then to sit there and then worry about every little mm-hmm. thing. And when you read post after post, sometimes that gets it in mm-hmm. my head. At least, yeah, of course, you know, and, and that's why I try to, you know, I, you know, like I sit there and think, okay, this does it. This makes me feel bad. This makes me feel this way, but I'm not one to sit there and look for answers because I've kind of just, I'm trying to like prioritize how this illness has affected me. If I'm able to walk, if I'm able to talk and I'm able to breathe and I'm able to eat, then, okay, I'll deal with the rashes as they come. I'll deal with, you know, the pots as it comes kind of thing. But I feel like when, you first get this illness, it's overwhelming. Yeah. You know, and, and that's when, when I, that's what made me realize you can't, you can't sit there and fixate on every little thing and post every little thing for the simple reason that you get caught. I think you're like like in a hamster wheel. You're just, Mm -hmm. you're, you're, you're just there and you're not going to be able to jump off to get back into the real world. I mean, at some point, I mean, and I don't know what that point is, but I guess mm-hmm. at some point, where do you accept that this is as good as it's going to be for a while? You know, I mean, right. you know, that, that's what, I, you know, like I'm wondering, like if, if, if you're like, okay, well, I'm not on a feeding tube, I'm not in a wheelchair, I've got these things going for me. At what point do I brush off these other things that are troublesome, but they're not stopping me from producing something. Yeah, absolutely. But you also have to be at a good place to be able to do that too. Yeah. At a, at a decent, at a, at a decent place to be able to kind of restabilize. Cause I think when I was at my sickest, it's, it's hard. It's unreasonable to be like, okay, it'll be fine. You know, cause you're like, eh. but then once you get a diagnosis, you kind of can identify what's going on. You know, sometimes, sometimes, like, for example, sometimes support groups are really great, right? Sometimes they're like really great and you need them. When I was in the, in, in my first bit of diagnosis, support groups were my life. I was like, I'm learning. I get it. I understand. I'm helping, you know, I'm getting a lot of information, but then after a while, there was a lot of complaining and that's okay. Like I'm not judging, like no judgment here. Like I was at a place where I'm sure I was complaining and, and worried and questioning and, and, and just mentally unstable. It happens to the best of us. Right. And no judgment, but sometimes I can't be in there with that. Like, I'm like, okay. And I will, I leave and join support groups often. I will leave them for two to three months. And then for example, I hadn't been on, any real support groups or I, or I had silenced them for a hot minute until the thing happened with my cardiologist recently. And then I was like, well, I feel like I need support. So I'm going to jump in there. But then I always try to make sure that not only am I asking for support, that I also try to give support that I go in and I don't just, I'm not just a taker that I go in and I read and I try to give other people support back. And I think that's another thing that we need to look at as people with chronic illness. There's a lot of neediness that goes on. Understandably so. Like everything I'm saying, I've been. So I'm not judging and I'm not saying I'm not past that. I'm just saying like there's neediness and the desire to connect and the desire to get answers and the desire to be loved and seen and heard. And just for God's sakes, this is a hard damn journey. But one thing somebody told me um, years ago was when you get nervous, think a service. 
And I've used that a lot in my illness. Like when I'm in a bad space, what I go do is I help others. I try when I can't, maybe other times I can't, maybe I'm so sick. I can't, I'm not saying like you're, if you're not well, then you must help others, you know, cause that doesn't make any sense. Like fill your own pot before you fill others, right? Like put your own mask on before, you know, you try to save other people when a plane's going down. Like I get that. But if you know that you're cycling or you know that you're obsessing or you know that you're you're not in a great space, but you're not so depleted that you could do something like, for example, you doing this podcast, you're finding a way to help people and helping people can just be liking a post in a group, supporting a post, telling somebody you're thinking of them, letting them know that they're not alone, you know, letting them know not to worry, whatever the case may be. But if we get out of, if we can move past that, trying to find ways to support other people is really good. And then sometimes you just need to detach yourself from it. So that's the other thing that that happens with people with chronic illness. It doesn't matter if it's EDS, it doesn't matter what it is. It's the obsession with, I need all the books, I need to listen to every podcast, and I, I need to read everything, and I need to know every bit, and I need to go read every article. And I need to go watch every YouTube video and every person like it becomes consuming and that's okay. Sometimes sometimes we need to consume because we're, we've been waiting so long for answers, right? Like, okay, I need to consume all of this, but sometimes it's healthy to not consume. Yeah. Not be a part of groups for a while, not think about your illness for a while. Try not to talk about it for a while. You know, even with friends and family, try not to talk about it. Yeah. Not that you, not that you can't, sometimes you have to, like, I, if I would do this, we need to do it this way because of whatever, but sometimes we need to distance ourselves from it, back up from it because it becomes our whole identity. Exactly. It becomes every part of what we're doing. And it, it already lives there anyway. Like there's no way to, for it not to be just based on biology. <laughs> like, right. like you said earlier, like when I, I lean over, I have to think when I do this, I have to think same here. I have to think about a lot. But if you're always talking about it, always consuming constantly, then then your brain is going to obsess and there's nothing, there's nothing else. And then it actually can harm your health. It's not improving your health. It can harm you. Consumption is okay. And it's good under certain circumstances when we need it. But then there comes a level kind of like the whole self-help industry. There comes a level where you know, self-help becomes obsessive and you're reading every damn self-help book there is. And that's great. But sometimes you're just okay the way you are. Sometimes there's no answers. Sometimes it's just okay to be you. There's not a fucking fix. Excuse my language, but... No, you're exactly right. And that's, that's the thing. I, I'm not, I'm not a Facebook person. And, and like I've said before, I, I became the admin, um, Un, really by, by accident of this group. And so I'm constantly having to, you know, re, you know, re, accept all the people that are requesting to join in and stuff. So I'm constantly having to read the people's answers and it can be, different, it can be overwhelming. And mm-hmm. I don't feel that I have the wherewithal to help people. Like I see people give these wonderful answers to individuals in their comments and things like that. And it's like they spent so much time helping them. And there are so many uh, more uh, experienced people that, I mean, sometimes all I can do is say, I don't have an answer, but I feel for you. But I can't do that on every post, you know, you right, right. But so much. So I don't feel like I have much to offer anybody. That, that's like why I started the podcast, because I'm like, I can talk. And I just would like to give people an opportunity to share their story in a way that they can't on Facebook because you know you say fucking in the group the post gets removed you can say it here <laughs> it doesn't matter you can gripe here you can you can do whatever and the support groups know I I think they have an extreme benefit but then I do understand like you're like you're saying like you step back a little bit it, it's 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 not like you want to look at what other people are going through so you're like oh wow I could be so much worse and then there are other times where you feel guilty because you're not as bad as that person is. I start questioning myself sometimes, Mm -hmm. you know, when, when you read, I'm like, no, wait a second. I was close to a feeding tube. No, wait. I was, Mm -hmm. I think once we get removed from 
I, I don't think we ever get over being completely being bedridden. I, I feel like it's a, like a drug addict who constantly goes back into rehab. Mm-hmm. We don't know when something's going to happen to us and we have to go back in and rehab our bodies to get it back up and running. Mm-hmm. We never know when, what, like you said, like from day to day, how it's going to be. Mm-hmm. And so the, you know, the support groups, you know, they can be a safe haven. They can be a, a great place you can go to. And then you can also get criticized and people can be very cruel in them as well. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, you know, I, 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 a lot of people, I get that dealing that all day, people turning in comments and things like that. And that's something that you need. You need a, a safe place. And it's a shame that we have to go to, to Facebook in order to get that it's it's a it's a shame that there is no fix all what a bummer this is just really turning into a sad thing for me Anya I'm thinking this is just like there's there's no answers there's no whatever you know when you're stuck with EDS in your bedroom all you have is Facebook but as good as it can it could also be a hindrance to you getting better yeah so you just have to know what works for you right like kind of like there's no one 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 fix all it just you have to test and try and find out what feels good what doesn't feel good what's good today what's good another day and just know that there's no real answer you know it's just momentarily there's so much of us that just want like an answer like what's going to make me feel better what's how can i handle this you know what is that excuse me that one and done kind of answer and it's really just you have to decide where you are at right at this very moment, what you can and cannot do and how you are going to manage that within yourself, right? Because that's it's an every, ever evolving thing and there's never going to be a right answer for anything. I mean, just living life. I mean, you know, if, if there was answers, we'd all have a handbook, you know, like there's no handbook. Life is living, living with, you know, phys- physical, mental illness, all of it is generally every single day, you have to be curious, kind to yourself, and try not to let it take you down. Yeah, that's, that's very true. And that's because I had, I had a couple of people, you know, you know, present to me, well, what if we do a show about, you know, doing this and getting through the holidays and this, that and the other. And I thought, the only person I could really discuss this with, quite frankly, would be Anya Khan, because you would get right there with me to pretty much just kind of spend an hour, you know, shooting the shit, really, about the fact that it sucks. It gets better. Sometimes it gets worse. Sometimes this works. Sometimes this doesn't. Mm-hmm. We've all kind of, you know, been there. I mean, even now, even though we're both diagnosed, we both have recently dealt with doctor issues. Mm-hmm. you know, questioning our illnesses and things like that. I mean, it, it it's never ending. Just when we think we've crossed the finish line for one part of this illness, it's mm-hmm. another part rears its ugly head. And now you've got to battle a whole another part of this illness that you didn't foresee coming. That's right. And so it's, you know, and, and because that was the thing I, you know, because I did, like I said, I had a friend, she's like, well, we'll just do an episode and we'll, you know, talk about how, you know, how we can do this and get that. And I was like, you know, sometimes it, you just need to be told it's it's going to be a sucky couple of weeks or it's just, it's, it's going to get a little bit worse. So, I mean, sometimes people just need to know that there, there might not be a fix off going on Facebook and helping somebody else might be the best thing for you or staying off yeah. or, or not, who, you know, who even knows. But I, I knew that if anybody could sit there and not sugarcoat it, it would be you. <laughs> <laughs> and, well, I appreciate that. Thank but, you very much for saying so. I, but, I, I am, I am a direct individual. But, but, but I do, I, I like that. And I just, just one of the fact that, you know, for individuals to, to know that, yeah, you might feel alone and it, it is a trying time, but hopefully 
just hearing that other people are suffering and and dealing with it, you know, might not make you feel, but so, you know, so far down the hole. I mean, I, 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 I'm trying to think when I was at my lowest low and I'm trying to think, I don't know if I've ever been at my lowest low because I'm afraid I could go lower. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's kind of, you know, like I'm trying to think, okay, I'm, I'm on an upswing right now, but I'm not trying to think, well, when am I going to go back down? I'm not, I'm not trying to think like that. I'm just trying to think, okay, just keep moving forward and, and, you know, checking off the boxes, just thinking, okay, this will get a little bit better. This might not take a break from this. I mean, it's kind of all trial and error because as you said, there is no handbook. That's right. So what are your plans for being in a new location and a new everything? Do you plan on just uh, anything for the, for the new year that, that you're planning on? Or are you just trying to make it one day at a time? What's the deal for you? Well, I think for us right now, moving to a new location, there's there's two things that have been really important to us. One, establishing, you know, my web design and digital marketing agency locally, where we had lived before we had a lot of local clients. We still have brought clients with us. I mean, not physically, they didn't move houses, but, you know, they've stuck with us. But really, you know, working towards building up, uh, you know, clientele in this community, finding ways that we can support the community through our endeavors, as well as, you know, being a part of the arts here. You know, the arts here is is a beautiful, um, it's just beautiful. Like there's so many like really lovely spaces. And obviously, and I don't, I don't think probably a lot of people know this, but during COVID, a lot of art gallery spaces and creative spaces closed. You know, retail, even retail closed, but you know, more creative spaces had harder, had a much harder time sticking around. So in every city, not just here and not just where I was living before, there there was a loss of numerous creative spaces. So I'm working with a couple locations here. I'm going to be teaching. I'm curating a show at the Delia Dante Gallery um, in downtown. There's just a lot of really great things that I'm a part of, and I'm hoping that we can rev this art community up and, and get more things going, get more classes, get more opportunities for people because art is healing, you know, being a part of exhibitions or even just being creative without even having a career is, you know, even if I didn't show anywhere and I just got to do my art, that's fine. Right. Like that's lovely being able to be creative and you don't have to be good. I just want to be clear about that. You do not. Creativity is not about technique. It's not about being amazing. It's about doing something you enjoy. And then if you want to take it to the next level, that's on you. But really, creativity is at the heart of enjoyment. So I'm just I'm really working a lot more on art, shifting a lot more of the story, um, just really feeling into where I'm at. And I love where I moved. I love it so much. It, the, the community has welcomed me with open arms. My neighbors have welcomed me. I've never felt truly more loved by a community. I mean, my previous community was absolutely amazing, too. Um, but it took a little while to kind of break in or get to know people. And that's just, you know, it's regional. It just kind of depends on where you live. Here, we're a little bit more like my home, Michigan. So I'm from Michigan and we're a little bit more, I don't know. We're just we're just more welcoming and loving and, you know, open to everybody kind of coming in Got and it. just being here. And And what I mean by that, let me clarify. I don't mean just like anybody come in and we just welcome. I just mean like. Generally, it's it's just community, right? Like everybody's helping each other. You know, what my neighbor will pick up my trash can for me sometimes, right. and it's it's not that I didn't bring it in on the day I should have. It's just he's out there and he says, "Well, I'm going to do it," you know, which is very sweet. And so we just kind of have that. So that's it. I'm rambling now. No, you're fine. We've got <laughs> left. Do you want to give out a website or anything? Yeah. So, um, you know, as a, as a, um, a small agency, you know, doing web design, SEO, digital marketing, uh, that's risevisible.com. We work with all types of companies. We work with small businesses, independent artists, 
all the way up to, you know, large companies. And then if you want to see my strange and unusual art, it's just my name. It's Ania Khan, A-U-N-I-A-K-A-H-N. And if you want to look at courses, art courses and writing courses that are related to mental health, physical illness, challenges, identity, abuse, addiction, right, I have a website called Create for Healing. Right, and most of the courses are free. Okay, Anya, thank you for being here. You have a lovely day. You too. Bye. Anya Khan.